Hi there, Caitlin here. Our mission at EB Academics is simple. Help middle school ELA teachers take back their time outside of the classroom by providing them with engaging lessons, planning frameworks, and genuine support so that you can become the best version of yourself, both inside and outside of the classroom. So if you think you might be ready to try something new because you know you simply cannot continue the way that you have been, that I'd invite you to take a moment to check out the EB Teachers Club, the EB Writing Program, or the EB Grammar Program by visiting the links in the description of the podcast. We hope to continue to support you within one of our programs in the future. And in the meantime, we look forward to serving you right here on the podcast each week. All right, everyone, welcome to the month of July. And if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that July is all about writing, one of our favorite things, that and lesson planning, (laughs) right? Two favorite things. I don't know which one would win if I had to pick. That'd be a fun poll. That would be a fun poll. People would think we're crazy though. (laughs) Neither? (laughs) What's your answer? I mean, I'm going to go with writing just because that came first for me. And so I feel like I could just, I don't know, my passion really comes out, but I love the results of lesson, plan, lesson planning too. So I don't know, Caitlin. Yeah, are. that's you? true. I honestly, I think, I think lesson planning. Ooh. Yeah. At this point, it, I would have said probably writing a year ago, but I think it's shifted be just because of batch planning live talking so yeah. much about it. Like, I don't know. I just love it. Yeah. But I will say, I can't remember who I was talking to, but they were like, if you, Oh gosh, if you went back to the classroom today, like what could you teach anything? Like what could you go in and just teach? No problem. Like writing, like it's writing. literally oh. not, I could do it in my sleep. I wouldn't even have to prep. Like I could just go in and do it at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm doing Jameson, like his, you know, summer reading assignments. And it's like a, a little writing one. I was like, Oh yes, I'm so excited. And he's just like, mom, <laughs> I don't want to write right now. I'm like, I don't care. We're going to have fun with this. <laughs> I love it. Will's probably going to be the same. Will is, he seems to be more of like a math science brain kiddo right now. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. But anyways, our goal for you is to walk away from this month, talking about writing at EB, feeling the same way that like writing is your favorite thing to teach, that you could go in and teach writing with your eyes closed tomorrow. We know that this is like one of those areas of struggle for most middle school English teachers is people are like, I just, I hate teaching writing. I remember talking to my mom about it. She's like, I just don't get it. How do you teach somebody else how to write? You know, either you get it or you don't. My mom was a teacher for 25 years, side note. Um, But today what we're going to talk about is if your students only write one essay this year, which side note should not be the case, um, this is the one though. If they're going to do anything, just, you know, one essay, this is it. And I also want to say that this month on the podcast, we're going to be airing bonus episodes from the past. We're going to be kind of pulling out the best of the best from our archives that are going to air on Thursdays um, every week this month as well. So you're getting a new episode on Tuesdays talking about writing, bonus episodes on Thursdays from the archives talking about writing. Um, And then we're also hosting a free workshop at the end of this month where we're talking about four proven strategies for teaching literary analysis favorite thing to talk about literary analysis when it comes to teaching writing. And you can sign up for that free experience with us by going to ebteacher.com forward slash writing. So we have four different like main workshops to choose from. They're all the same. Pick the one that works best for you. But then we also do a pop-up Facebook group. We do bonus trainings. We go in depth. We help you create connections with other middle school writing teachers as well. Um, So if you struggle with writing at all, this is 100% going to be the best use of your time this summer. So you can go back into the school year 
feeling prepared, feeling confident, feeling excited, shoot, to teach writing, which would be, I know for a lot of us, like such a novel idea, what, to be excited to teach writing? We want you to feel exactly like we were just talking about, that you could teach writing, no problem, you feel so confident in it. And that's exactly um, what our goal is this, this month on the podcast, this month at EB. Um, okay, so without further ado, let's dive into this episode. And I want you to think about if you could only teach one writing genre this year that you think would have like the biggest impact on your students' growth as writers, what do you think it would be? And I want you to really think about that. That would have the biggest impact on your students' growth as writers. Is it narrative writing? Is it argumentative writing? Expository, persuasive, research, descriptive, right? We do all different types of writing. We feel at EB that hands down, like literally it is not even a conversation, hands down, the writing genre that has the single greatest effect on students' growth as writers is literary analysis. Or at EB, we like to call it the EBW approach. This is our signature approach to teaching writing, evidence-based. Um, you know, it is such our bread and butter here that we do at EB. And Jessica's going to share the impact of what using the EBW approach had on one of our EB teachers, Stephanie, and her students, because I think it's important to see um, that it's not just the two of us. And I say this all the time, like, it's not just the two of us. Like, this is transferable to other people, what we're going to teach you as well. So Stephanie shared with us that she is three years into using the EBW approach with her students. And Jessica, go ahead and share what she shared with us. Yeah, I think this is just so fascinating. I think a lot of you will be able to relate to it, actually. So when Stephanie was hired for her current position, she had never taught a single ELA class in her life. Like, can you imagine that going into the classroom and you're like brand new to it? Oh, my goodness. And she admits that she struggled so much those first three months of that first year of teaching that she almost quit, right? And that's completely relatable. We hear from teachers all the time her going through that. But then one evening, she was searching online. She was in this desperate attempt to find something to teach the next day at school. And she came across our EBW approach. And I feel like this is just so serendipitous. And what Stephanie says is that what she found was so much more than just that one filler lesson to get her through another day on the job. So like Caitlin said, she's now three years into using the EBW approach, and she tells us that the feedback she's received from students, from teachers, and now from parents has been like nothing short of amazing since she started implementing that approach. So I love what she says. She says, this year alone, I've had a high school English teacher contact me about what curriculum I use because my student from last year, who's now a freshman, was literally teaching her classmate how to properly write their responses to literature and cite their text evidence. Like, how cool is that? Her students are now teaching others at a different school how to write essays. And the teacher reaches out. I just love that. Then she had another former student tell her that high school writing is a piece of cake. And this is also a freshman at like a highly rigorous private school. And I know, Caitlin, you've had students come back to you. I've had students come back to me that are like, oh, Absolutely. well, writing is my easiest class. Like 100%. I know what to do, right? Yep. And then Stephanie got an email from some parents of her current eighth grade student. And this is when she reached out to us. And the parents said, hey, I just want to give credit where credit is due. And they go on to tell Stephanie about how their child was working on some scholarship essays and applications and the student or the child had their parents read the essay and the parents were like blown away with the quality of the writing. And when they told their son, like, this is amazing. This is so great. Their son said, you know, I give all my credit to my teacher, to Stephanie for teaching me so well. Like, I just love those ripple effects from so many different areas of her life. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it was it was very interesting because I know you taught fifth graders, right? I taught seventh and eighth graders. So I got to see like right afterwards going into freshman year, what their experience was like, how they were able to really just crush their writing classroom when they got to school. Like it wasn't an, an issue in class. And we talk about, you know, I don't, I don't know the number, but a large majority of, of college freshmen that go to college have to be remediated in writing before they can even get to a college level writing class. And what I love about our EBW approach, literary analysis, right, is that it really is the foundation for all of those later types of writing. When I was doing my master's program, I used the approach to help me. We've even had some of our EB teachers tell us that in their master's programs, they're using this framework. And I mean, that alone you know, makes the argument for, for me about why the EBW approach is so incredibly important, right? Literary analysis, we really, really believe this. That's why we're doing four proven strategies for teaching literary analysis as our free workshop at the end of this month. It is the foundation for all of the other writing styles, right? Once students learn how to effectively craft a literary analysis response, and this is where they include a summary, they have a claim, they have a premise, evidence, justification, right? All that stuff. Well, then they have the basis for an argumentative essay. They have the basis for a persuasive essay. They can even go off and do a compare and contrast essay, a problem solution essay. It just looks a little bit different, right? You'll have to tweak a few things here and there, but the heart of the essay, no matter what the writing genre, is really rooted in that literary analysis response. And because literary analysis writing is obviously writing about literature, it's more accessible for students, right? Before they before they write a lit analysis essay, they've likely read the text, right? They've probably participated in some class discussions. Maybe they've done Socratic seminar or silent debates or whatever it is, some standards aligned activities that are connected to the text, right? You can see where I'm going with this. They're doing a lot of practice and discussing and talking about the literature that they're reading so that now they're stepping into their writing assignment with a pretty hefty amount of background knowledge, Right. And that makes the writing process a lot less daunting because they're familiar with the topic. And, you know, add to that the fact that they can follow a familiar writing framework. And we'll talk about more on next week's episode regarding that. But now you've got a recipe for success for students, right? Students' writing is going to be focused. They're in their evidence based essays. Over time, they just keep getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And like I said, if your students only write one essay this year, this is the essay. But that's not the goal. We want them to be writing it over and over and over again and practicing these skills. So what does that look like in the classroom, right? Well, before you read any text, whether it's a novel, a poem, a short story, what you would do is you would give your students a text-dependent writing prompt. So then as they read, they can search for relevant evidence that supports their answer to that prompt. And I just love that. That is such a good teacher hack, right? When I was first in the classroom, I did not do that. We'd read something and then we'd write an essay, but I never had them looking for evidence as they write. I didn't tell them their question up front. And it is a truly a game changer once you do that. For example, a question that you might give your students is which character trait best describes and then fill in the blank with that character. So obviously you'll give more complex essay questions later on, but this is a good one just to see how that response works. So you give your students that question and then you have them read the text. And as they're reading, they're writing down evidence that supports their answer. So they're literally writing down character traits and then quoting from the book itself or the poem itself. Then maybe you do a characterization activity with your students, or maybe you have that Socratic seminar where you're focusing on character traits, or you even ask that exact same question in the Socratic seminar. And all the while, 
students are sharing character traits, they're sharing their evidence, they're backing up their choices. So by the time they're actually sitting down and writing that literary analysis essay, oh my gosh, like it's so easy, right? They already have their evidence. They already have their justification. Now they're just putting it into a framework. Yeah, I love it. And what's great about this too is like as the year progresses, the writing assignments get more complex. So students are still finding their, they're still doing everything Jessica just said. They're still finding evidence. They're still discussing it. They're still participating in activities. They're still writing. But what's great is that continually and consistently, right? That's the key. Continually and consistently having having students write these literary analysis essays, that's going to be the single most effective thing that you could possibly do to transform your students into just those rock star writers that we want them to be who naturally weave evidence into those well-structured essays. That makes sense, right? That they're easy to grade. It makes your life so much easier as a teacher when they have a framework to go off of. Um, And what's really cool is this complexity can obviously adjust no matter what grade level you're in, right? When I teach eighth grade, the first essay of the year is about the house on Mango Street. And it's a little bit difficult, but not that bad. But by the end of the year, when we get to reading about night, the essay questions that I'm giving my students are very challenging. So Jessica's example, that might be something that we're doing fifth grade, sixth grade, maybe seventh grade, but like, I'm not giving my students that type of question at the eighth grade level, right? That's kind of like an easy, nice little approach. Maybe you would give that to your students at the eighth grade level if you were just starting with the EBW approach with your students, right? So they can get their feet wet. But what's cool about this approach is when you can do it over time, like consistently over time, I'm talking, it gets introduced to them in fifth grade. The sixth grade teacher does it too. The seventh grade teacher does it too. The eighth grade teacher does it too. The magic of what happens for students is they have this framework to now go off of and get even better at and able to respond to complex questions and complex texts with, right? I had my eighth graders in my second to last school reading Othello, and writing just incredible literary analysis responses to inc- very difficult questions. I should go back and find some of them, to be honest with you, and share them on the podcast or over on our um, Instagram. But it's just, it's really powerful what we're able to create for students when there is that consistency. That's when you see results. It's like people don't want to necessarily like do the boring, hard work all the time. Like that's just not human nature, right? We don't want to do the boring, hard stuff because it's boring. But like this doesn't have to be boring, Right. Um, the boringness, quote unquote, isn't the consistency of it, but we can make it fun by packaging it differently or doing different types of activities. And if you're an EB Teachers Club member, you know that, right? That's how we use our monthly issues. The students are working on these skills over and over again. So they're being consistent, but it doesn't have to be in a boring way. Right. So I think that that's really important is just that consistency is key with anything in life. I love that. And I just, I want to speak into that a little bit more. So when I was in my last fifth grade classroom, I was absolutely consistent with this approach, right? My students wrote multiple response to literature essays throughout the year. And I thought this was a really cool ripple effect from what happened as a result of that consistency. You know, we all have our observations that have to get done, right? And at this particular school, our principal would come always in May. I don't know why, but the busiest month, right? Yeah, thanks. <laughs> and I remember um, my last year at this school, this was kind of cool. Nancy was the name of my principal. And so she was coming in to observe my class. And I asked her, like, are you okay watching a Socratic seminar that my students are doing? You know, I won't be up there teaching the lesson, but I actually think it really reflects on what I've taught my students this year and, you know, the culture of our classroom. And she's like, absolutely, that's totally fine. And so she came in and my students were reading a short story. I want to say it was Thank You, Ma'am, actually. 
and I had given them an informational text article to go along with it. And then they were given their questions right before the Socratic seminar. And she just stood there, Nancy, like silently. And then would glance over at me every so often, like, oh my God, I can't believe this is what they're doing. Right. And afterwards in our debrief, she was like, I have never seen 10 year olds talk like that. <laughs> They were using evidence. They were, you know, debating different things. They were tying in informational text. They were doing all the things. And I was like, well, yeah, that's typical of them, right? We've been doing this all year. We've been consistent in finding evidence, in finding justification. They write about it. They talk about it. Like it is embedded in everything we do. And I mean, I love the fact that like it took the pressure off me in the observation, right? Mm -hmm. Because I wasn't up there scrambling to try to impress her with all my cool tricks. And this is how it is. No, like my students were engaged and it was an effective lesson Mm -hmm. because we've been working on it all year. And I just think it really speaks into when you are consistent, when you do use this EBW approach time and time again, it makes such a difference. Yeah, absolutely. And just to kind of go off with your story, because I think stories are, are what land, you know, we remember stories and the first year that you and I, so we developed this just so you guys know a little background information. If you're new here on the podcast, just can I developed the EBW approach like 11 years ago or something like that at our mm-hmm. school. And we rolled it out together and we actually will share this story, um, at our live workshop at the end of the, at the end of the month. Um, but we, we rolled it out for the year together. We implemented it. And all we'll say, like, I don't think I taught any other writing style other than maybe narrative writing. I didn't Same. do a research paper that year. I didn't do exposed. Like I didn't do anything else. I just did literary analysis because we were seeing like, does this work? What happens if we do this? Right. And just by doing that, just by teaching that type of essay and having students practice over and over and over again, my students saw the highest test scores in growth in the entire school. Um, and I don't even know, probably in our little, um, deanery that we had when we were in this particular school district in LA. And it was like, it wasn't like, oh, they saw a little bit of growth. It was like, is there a mistake on these test scores (laughs) type of growth? Because my students who were seventh graders tested, I think it was like eighth grade first month, which is high anyways. Right. But after one year, and then as eighth graders, they tested at like the 12th grade first month or something to that. Like it was insane. And I think that that just speaks into the power of think about that. I only taught this one writing style and they crushed all of the other types of writing that they were tested on because of the foundations that exist within literary analysis, within our EBW approach. And so if this is something you're like, okay, this is really interesting. You've convinced me like definitely come to our free workshop, because if you're looking at revamping your writing curriculum this year, maybe you're trying something that you've seen, you know, on social media or TikTok or whatever, or maybe your curriculum is mandated to you by your district, but you know that there's something better that exists. Um, side note, Jessica's considering, uh, homeschooling her son because of a particular type of writing that's being taught at her son's school next year. Um, It's really powerful. It's something we're very passionate about. And it's really time to focus on literary analysis responses. So we'll talk more about this framework specifically next week on the podcast, you know, how you can use this with your students so that they can write effective essays. But it's also going to be helpful for you to come to our free workshop at the end of the month because we're going to do a deep dive into a lot of this. We're going to provide you with a lot of free resources to kind of get your feet wet and get started and see how you like it. Um, So definitely make sure that you sign up for that. That is at ebteacher.com forward slash writing. All right. Bonus episodes airing on Thursday, pulling out from the archives, the best of the best. And then next week we will see you on the podcast. Jessica, we're talking about, do you have it in front of you getting the best writing results? 
You have That's seen the one. That's the one. Yep, we're diving into the framework. Love it. All right. We will see you guys next week on the podcast. Have a great rest of your week, everybody. Bye, everyone.